Hi, everybody. Welcome to another uh, episode of the Future Tech podcast series. This is a podcast aimed at STEM graduates um, with myself, Charlie Sell, the Group MD at Arrows Group, interviewing and speaking to thought leaders, CTOs, directors within technology, asking them a bit about their story, uh, their thoughts on emerging technologies and future job roles. So I'm really pleased to have Dan Gilbert with me today. Dan's the director of data at News Corp. Uh, sorry, News UK. Um, they're part of News Corp, uh, one of the biggest publishing companies uh, in the UK and globally. So you can imagine the amount of data and uh, with readers and what happens online there. So um, welcome, Dan. Really good to have you on the show. Thanks, Charlie. Nice to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. I understand it was your wife's birthday last night. So first time out since lockdown. Yeah, first 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 evening out in uh, yeah. Nice and safely socially distanced and uh, yeah, a beautiful evening for it on, on the hottest day of the year, I think. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. So, um, as, as always, my first question and, and probably one of the most poignant is really interested to know a bit about your story, how you got into technology and specifically data. Um, so it was a bit of a, a wandering path. Uh, I, I studied economics um, a long time ago at UCL in London. Uh, cause that, that was kind of the first thing that I kind of really fell in love with like as a subject um, kind of leading up to university so I kind of I started studying that and then and then as I was doing that quickly could not work out what what the heck I was going to do with that as a career everyone was going off to an investment bank or uh, management consulting through kind of very formalized um, graduate recruitment schemes that neither of them really kind of appealed to me. Um, so I stayed on to do a master's in public policy and then ended up working at a company called Visa, um, uh, which most people have probably heard of. Um, and it, it was a bit, it was a bit of a weird match, but um, I was working in kind of the risk management team. But, but the main attraction for me was that uh, it was a part of Visa that looked after Central Europe and Africa. So I got to kind of travel an awful lot in the first few years of my career, um, kind of working in banks from kind of Botswana to Nigeria. Um, uh, well, at least I was meant to be helping them with preventing fraud. That that was that was the idea, um, and so so that that was that was kind of a really thrilling experience. And I stayed at Visa for about kind of eight or nine years, um, uh, and then and then left to do something kind of pretty different um, in the public sector. Some people I knew were kind of working on a um, a big government change program. So I, I joined there. Um, and like not least because I had a background in economics, um, I was the person who kind of seemed to know the most about data in out of kind of like the, the hundred or so consultants. So I kind of uh, kind of essentially kind of formed the role of, of, of being the person who, who looked after the, after the data. And that, that was about 10 years ago. And so it was also at a time when um, kind of I mean, big data wasn't really a term there, but then, but kind of data science was. Um, and I, so I kind of, I'd not worked in a technology role, but I kind of started learning about things like R and Python and stuff like that that were kind of available on the internet. And it was kind of the early days of Twitter where you could find out about this stuff. So I, I kind of got into data science that way. Right, yeah. um, and it was kind of, it was, it wasn't too difficult because I had a bit of background from the economics, but it, it was essentially a completely new thing. Um, and then after that, I joined a small technology company that was kind of working with kind of social media 
type of um, data because kind of the early days of Facebook and then eventually ended up at, at news. So it was kind of a, yeah, a bit of a wandering path to get into technology. Yeah, yeah, although it's not too uncommon, is it? Um, you know, with, with a lot of graduates or people today studying things from economics through to psychology through, I mean, I think yeah. you can have quite a breadth of, of degree to finally move into technology. It all feels like it's quite transferable. Yeah, no, completely. And I mean, I, li I like to think that having at least spent like the first 10 years of my career not working within tech means that now I do work within tech. At least it kind of gives me a broader perspective on on problems and, and particularly how to talk to people who are kind of from across the business, whether in advertising or marketing or, or kind of uh, where I am now, kind of working with the editorial teams who are actually in the newsrooms producing content. Because um, I've not been steeped in it for my entire career, it's kind of quite helpful to have that slight sense of removal from it yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, and I think the fact probably that you've travelled around the world as well and, and seen different environments must have added advantage when working with different stakeholders yeah and i mean yeah the the, the problems like a a, a card center in um I'm trying to think of uh, one place like uh, ivory coast dealing with frauds um are obviously somewhat different to the kind of tech problems that that um i know in a newspaper have but but ultimately it's around people um and yeah the kind of haven't had the opportunity to deal with lots of people in lots of very different situations, hopefully helps um, in any workplace. So I, I guess I, I wouldn't want anyone to feel like there's one, one path to getting into technology. I, um, and actually, uh, even today on my team, a lot of the like, very best technologists are people who actually make quite a late career change to move into it. And they've kind of moved from very dis different spheres, but bring kind of that creativity of thought from other parts of their career to what they do day to day. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And so thinking about data then, because it's, you know, it's something that has just emerged um, over, I would say, the last five or ten years, you know, and, and it feels like it's gone almost in line with cloud infrastructure and, and the development of cloud migrations and what have you. How have you seen data, I suppose, first um, progress and then where do you think it's going in terms of a, a technology and um, so I mean, if if you if you go into something like Google Trends and type in um, uh, search terms like kind of big data or AI, machine learning, all of these things, uh, yeah, I mean it it tells that story. So from about from perhaps yeah ten years ago, kind of the curve is this kind of massive yeah. kind of um, increase year on year, um, and things like data science and all of these things that they're kind of very in intermingled. Uh, I, I suppose it, in in some ways, I, I kind of I, I started working with data when it was kind of at towards the start of that, um, and in a way was completely oblivious to a lot of the stuff that was going on with kind of AI and machine learning and, and whatnot. Um, and a lot of stuff had been around for years. So kind of kind of people had talked about business intelligence or yeah. back when I was working at Visa, management information, um, and ultimately people were working with data in databases. And I think a lot of people who'd worked in it traditionally were probably quite grumpy with this notion that this was a completely new thing that was changing the world. And actually, no, we'd always had like data warehouses, databases, people had always done kind of BI and, um, and people had always done stuff like predictive analytics. So kind of whether kind of it's a company like Tesco or um, um, kind of insurers or bank, actually banks, when I, when I kind of joined Visa 20 years ago, uh, 
they had things called neural networks back then, which now are obviously the thing that everybody talks about, but have kind of gone through um, a kind of a, an ice age for, for kind of decades. Um, but a, a lot of, I guess a lot of my view on it is a lot of this tech has been around for a long, long time, but there has been this incredible growth over the last five or 10 years with um, kind of like how much data is available that has then fueled kind of things like um, amazing machine learning technologies that can do image recognition of cats, but also kind of diseases and people's bodies and all, all sorts of things, which again has been fueled by habit, partly by having so much data available that has come with cloud computing and the growth of the internet and the growth of, I know even kind of, kind of uh, social media and, and search platforms. Um, so, so things have fundamentally changed um, and the ability of a, someone who's like a practitioner um, like I, I am or, or, or certainly was to spin up some work and, and apply kind of state-of-the-art algorithms to them is now infinitely easier than it was kind of five or ten years ago um, particularly if you're kind of using kind of cloud-based services whether it's Amazon or Google or Microsoft or, or, or whoever it is so so all of that stuff really is is changing um, uh, and I think that the, the like working in a media company um, we do a lot of stuff that a lot of other companies probably also do do and have done for a long time so we have lots of customers and we obviously um where, where customers pay us so for the times people have to pay it's a kind of premium experience so um time subscribers pay for that their, their subscription we, we obviously want them to stay with us and, and not get not get fed up with the product and, and leave um and so like almost any other company that has customers we we use data to understand um the types of things our customers like and also the ones who are most likely to stay with us or who are most likely to go. So things like churn models and, 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 and stuff like that. And that stuff's easier today because, um, yeah, kind of cloud compute is, is cheaper and more available, more, uh, more easily available. Um, but then there's lots of other stuff, which is almost completely alien to what I worked on when I was first a data scientist. Um, and that's particularly kind of exciting working in a media company because we, we produce a lot of content. So our newsrooms are obviously kind of toiling away, producing uh, kind of newspaper articles, images, videos, and all of these things. Um, the ability of, of someone who's like a, a data analyst or a data scientist to do anything with that stuff, all of that information was essentially kind of nil just, just a few years ago. Um, but a, a lot of the, um, a lot, a lot of the kind of machine learning AI technology that's come out recently that people will hear about, such as like deep learning and, and stuff like that, um, which originally were, were trained to be really, really good at predicting whether there's a cat in a picture or not based on like the millions of pictures on the internet. Um, that those, those types of um, algorithms can now be used to understand kind of what is our content about. So to do things like extract the metadata and the keywords and the topics and the people in it, um, I mean, some organisations uh, use it to kind of kind of do things that you'll hear, like kind of robo journalism, which is kind of for some some of the like the very very simple things where it's kind of match reports, so kind of piecing together stories. Um, but I, I guess the toolbox of someone who's working in data now is much more exciting than the toolbox that was maybe five years ago, where it was kind of have some kind of data out 
kind of something like a, a customer and predict whether they're going to cancel or not. Now you actually get to work with really exciting content. So the images, the pictures, the words as well. And I think that stuff is just inevitably likely to continue for the next few years. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree with you more around how, from what I've seen in my experience of, of recruiting and, um, and looking at the rows of big data, but specifically data engineers and data scientists, where I think even three years ago, it was probably seen as much more of an academic type of job and, and, and skill set rather than something that's probably more dynamic and actually actually has got a real return on investment or a real value to it. And, and you've seen it now, companies have started to realise actually understanding data and maximising it, utilising it, is a profit centre. It's, 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 not, it's not a research or something for the board. Yes. No, no, it's, it, exactly. And, and we, uh, we do some really exciting stuff. Um, uh, but ultimately, it's all about kind of application of, yeah. of algorithms that are already out there in the world that kind of either kind of um, universities or the likes of Facebook or Google or Microsoft have, have already come up, come, come up with and they're made available um, through open source. Um, that there's a, it feels like there, there's a lot more where kind of, yeah, a data scientist or a data engineer can now apply that stuff to kind of a meaningful problem. Um, when I first joined, kind of worked in media in technology, yeah, maybe kind of seven or eight years ago, it was kind of teams of data engineers working on Hadoop and stuff like this. And so it was actually kind of trying to work out the plumbing of data and, and spin up um, kind of, instances that were powerful enough to deal with what we were trying to do um a lot of that stuff is is all is it well in some contexts anyway particularly where you're working in the cloud a lot, a lot of that is kind of taken away from you and for me that's exciting because you get to actually try and apply it and solve a problem yeah um for the people that you work with um uh, and so yeah i think and that that inevitably continues yeah yeah no, I, well, I couldn't agree more so thinking then around the future, you know, where, where is data going to take us? And specifically, you know, do you have a view on, on if you're advising a graduate who's either just starting their degree, so, you know, in three to four years' time, they'll be entering the job market, yeah. naval gaze, a prediction on what sort of job roles, if they have a specific interest in data, what sort of job roles there might be for them? Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of... Well, it's, it's either impossible or very difficult to predict the future. I, I suppose it's, for, for me, it's a continuation of stuff that I, I kind of see happening now. So, um, I, I, so I, in some, some companies and, and environments, certainly, I think they will, you, you're obviously going to have huge opportunities for people who work, want to work on kind of pure research. So building these things up from, from the ground up um, and building on the stuff that has, has, has come before them. Um, for a lot of commercial companies like ours that are then applying it equally, uh, it's kind of, it's working at the interface of the business and those kind of capabilities that have been built by your kind of colleagues in other companies that, that are kind of build, building the algorithms from scratch. And uh, a, a, lot, a lot of people, I think, talk about that distinction between like the applied data scientist and the research kind of data scientist or machine learning engineer. Um, and, and it's been around for a long time, but I think inevitably that will continue as maybe some of these tools and, the, and these tools are probably only ever going to be, become easier to apply 
for somebody who isn't even necessarily that's their core focus of their job. So even if you're just a software engineer focusing on stuff that is not to do with machine learning, but is doing all the other difficult stuff that I don't understand, uh, an appreciation of kind of what, what you can do through applying things like machine learning is going to become more important. And ultimately that is like all machine learning is, is taking lots of examples and making predictions on the back of that. So it's, 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 it's helping make a prediction that can help make some process or decision better. Um, and obviously we're surrounded by those things. So I, I don't know how much that will enter the world of actually um, kind of engineering practices and coding itself to kind of actually, uh, whether it takes any, any of that kind of writing the code away from you because some of that can be automated. Perhaps, I, I don't know, I think it's really difficult to predict that stuff. I think definitely an appreciation for anyone who works in technology will, will become really important. Um, like we, we still have a, I look after the data team, we have data scientists, um, some companies, I can't remember who it is, maybe it's Amazon, who's kind of, um, kind of got rid of the term data scientist or even machine learning engineer perhaps, I could be wrong, but, but they, they, I think they've tried to kind of eliminate that distinction and almost see that everybody who's working in technology has to understand a bunch of stuff from software development through to how kind of how machine learning works. I think that that may happen. Um, but I think just like you have in software engineer, you have specialists who need to be that that needs to be their domain of expertise. Um, so I think an appreciation of it is, is definitely one thing. Um, I mean, just something that is on my mind a lot at the moment is, um, uh, and sometimes you get blank looks when you mention it is just the whole um, notion of data ethics and AI ethics right, because yeah. uh, uh, it, it, this, this has been around forever. So people have been like members of statistical associations have kind of thought about kind of how you do harm or good with, with data and numbers and not, not, not reading too much into your data and not mistaking, mistaking, um, uh, correlation for causation and all those things but there's also been this huge amount of interest in AI ethics recently and the likes of Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking talking about this existential threat to humanity of of when when the robots take over or if we put too much faith in automated decision making that then goes wrong whether it's yeah whether whether it's like robots or whether it's a nuclear power station that can then be hacked um, that there's there's just there's you can kind of see this increasing kind of interest and and I think anyone who joins any kind of company like within the next few years I, I would, I'd be amazed um, certainly if it's a good if they don't start to ask you and what's your perception around the ethics of AI like how much should be automated versus should have control for the people looking over it. Um, like, how do you think about things like fairness of an algorithm and just because it's efficient, is it actually fair? So I think that that's something I, I would kind of encourage everyone to think about. Um, not least because I actually think it makes you a better engineer or a better data scientist because it makes you think critically about things. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I just think that's a fantastic point. And actually, it's, that's, that's probably the first time I've heard or talked about that side of it, you know, to be totally honest. I've, uh, a lot of conversations I've had with, People in the market, you know, as I said, is rise of big data or, or how, how it's becoming like software engineering, where you've got polyglot engineers now who are learning full stack rather than a specific skill. You have to have that same appreciation when you're looking at 
like analyzing data or, or machine learning, but to think about AI ethics and actually yeah. how it could be abused or, or how to stop it from being abused, I guess, is another um, yeah. aspect. Um, that's going to only become more prevalent as it grows and, and big data yeah. continues to rise. Yeah, really. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's, I mean, and, and, yeah, and the, the role of data in society is only a, only going to get bigger as um, kind of kind of governments, police forces, healthcare all think about how to use it and apply it. There, kind of the the life criticality of the decision of an algorithm is perhaps more than if I'm helping a journalist or an editor understand do you promote this article or that article. Yeah. But at their core, there are some like some core um, uh, kind of critical thinking processes to try and avoid um things going wrong um and, and and i think as a result because because algorithms will be used in like these high stakes decisions uh as we see kind of the kind of the uk government the house of lords like in the us the um uh, the government said that there's that they're all taking an interest in in this area of ai ethics how it's regulated how you kind of can have codes of practice for people working in it so um, yeah, I'd say kind of read about it, be interested in it. I, I think it would make you. I think it makes you a, a better engineer if you understand this stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Well, thank you, Dan. That's been really interesting, and and you know, great to get your insights. Um, as I said, we've focused it predominantly around data, which is just so prevalent right now. Um, so that was really interesting, and uh, yeah. So thank you for your time. Thank you for getting up early to. Have this uh, the podcast as I said you've got the day off today so you, yeah. this is all on your own time yeah no it's um, a lot of fun talking about it and yeah I would say uh, yeah good luck to all the kind of STEM graduates out there um, the world needs you um, and there is no single path so uh, kind of whether, whether you immediately find that dream job or if if it takes you five or ten years to get into it um, that five or ten years may, may make you a, a, a better kind of employee and, and person at the end of it. Yeah, okay, that's a great summary and, and really, really useful and a, yeah, well, a great point. So everybody, that's another series of uh, Future Tech podcast series. A big thank you to Dan Gilbert from News UK. Um, it'll be posted um, on your careers pages within the universities that are part of a scheme, uh, along with snippets coming out on LinkedIn. Thank you.